0: Salutame, cachamo! What's going on, everyone? I am Pat the Pac-Man. Welcome to another episode of Barking for Balance, the podcast where we talk about dogs, or we can talk about anything else that is meant to teach, inspire, and entertain. Today's a very special episode, actually, guys, so uh, stay tuned. It's going to be fun. We have a special guest joining us uh, shortly. Uh, Jen from Animal Rescue R Us. She's going to be telling us a little bit about her rescue, how she got involved in rescue, how she developed the passion to be in rescue, and also she's going to show us and tell us about one of the biggest passions that she has, which is working with special needs dogs, that's dogs that have uh, physical uh, disabilities and/or psychological disabilities, but mostly there she deals with a lot of dogs that have physical disabilities. So um, that's that's her number one thing. She actually really enjoys that. You know, it it kind of ties in with her profession. She deals with uh, she teaches special needs children. So um, so that kind of like ties in, and she's going to tell us a lot a lot about that, and she's going to showcase her newest puppy. Um, that has some special needs, and I'll let her fill you in on what that is all about. And she's going to show her to us, and uh, we're going to get a kick out of it. It's going to be fun. We're going to have a lot of good, uh, good, good stuff coming up. So, um, speaking of special needs dogs, it's actually something I wanted I wanted to talk about, and uh, tying it in with what Jen's going to tell us and what Jen's going to show us with regards to her new puppy that she's fostering, and uh, potentially dot dot dot. We'll see what happens with that, but. Um, Yeah, so I want to talk a little bit about about that dogs that have uh, disabilities, dogs that have been abused. And that's obviously a touchy subject because um, obviously nobody, you know, me especially, does not want to hear about the fact that um, a dog or an animal, let me phrase that, an animal has been uh, physically or psychologically abused. Um, treated poorly, whatever the case may be. Uh, that really fucking pisses me off. I just want to kick their asses all over the place. The the, the Obviously, when it comes to an animal that has been um, legitimately abused, and when I say legitimately abused, this is the reason why I'm saying that legitimately abused. A lot of people fall in love with the story of adopting a dog, a rescue dog. A lot of people have a perception that rescue dogs are all know abused they come from a terrible situation which is not necessarily the case a lot of times and we're going to get into this on a separate podcast uh i don't want to get into this now but um a lot of times people fall in love with the fact that they feel that a dog has been abused just because they have you know nervousness issues or aggression issues or whatever the case may be even fear and a lot of times if not most of the time those dogs develop those issues, not because they've been abused, is because they have not been treated as dogs. They have not had owners uh, who are responsible. And when I say responsible, I don't mean like poorly responsible. I mean that are willing to do what is necessary for a dog by establishing leadership, establishing direction, bounds, and limits. That's really the cornerstone in order to get a dog that's happy, fulfilled, and well-behaved. If you don't do that, and you're focusing on love and attention and, and, and treats and affection and the whole positive reinforcement, and all that shit, you know you're missing the point so you're showering your dog with love which is a portion of what a dog really wants and needs so um that's really where they go down the wrong path and i know that many people that are going to disagree with that but because it's the truth that's exactly the reason why not every dog that's aggressive or fearful or or nervous or whatever has been abused that is you know everybody wants to fall in love with that theory that's fine but Getting back to legitimate abuse, which is going to be uh, the puppy that uh, Jen will will tell us about and show us, this is a dog that had been physically uh, beaten, and it it pains me to discuss it, but um, I'm going to stay away from that. I'm just going to say, basically, one of the things that's very important with people that do adopt or have a dog that has physical disabilities or has physical disabilities and or psychological disabilities stemming from legitimate abuse, not presumed abuse, legitimate abuse. And so what we have to understand is that dogs live in the moment. And there's a lot of caring, kind, sweet people out there. And people want to make up for that dog's past. You know, they want to overload that dog for what they were missing or what, they, what has been done, what had been done to them. And that's not the good thing. Remember, everything has to be about balance. Everything is about proportion. So if you want a dog, if you truly care about your dog, and you want a dog that is happy, fulfilled, and well behaved, that you got to get it in your head, that what they need is balance of work, rules, and then reward. So the rules component is what's oftentimes a lot of people that adopt these kind of dogs don't put in place because they feel bad they feel guilty they just shower these dogs with love and affection and attention and 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 just would they overdo it and you're gonna see with with the dog that jen's gonna showcase she she's a puppy and this is a puppy that is showing you the, a dominant side, a very excitable side. And this is a dog that, again, has is, is, is gotten dealing with some physical issues from legitimate abuse. And um, it's easy to just fall in love. I mean, you know, I would, I, fall, I, would, I would fall into the trap as well. But I have to understand that if I want to make this dog grow up to be happy, fulfilled, and well-behaved, and not return this dog because this is the dog, and you'll, you'll, you'll see how, how she interacts with Jen and how she is with Jen. Um, this is a dog that needs structure, needs discipline, needs rules, needs boundaries, needs, needs limits. So we have to implement that along with the love and along with the physical rehabilitation pro- process that, that, that is required. That's all part of it, absolutely. But we can't neglect the rules component. We cannot neglect that. I'm sorry to say you cannot neglect that. It's mandatory. And a lot of people fall into that trap where they feel bad for this dog. You know, they feel bad. Well, the poor baby, you know, Oh, you know what? Dogs live moment to moment. And what we end up doing is we hold them back. They're trying, you know, they're trying to move forward. They're trying to get past what they had been dealing with but we keep them in that past because our energy, our emotions is so weak and so soft that we become like them. You know, they're unsure. They're they're trying to figure out what to do. They're trying to like recover from all this trauma, psychological trauma, but we're not letting them. We're keeping them in that past because we're just overloading them to try to make up for what they had been through. And we can't, you know, you cannot make up for what a dog has been through. It's not possible. So, you know, we can't overcompensate for their past. We can't give them what we, we can't take away what 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 they have gone through. It's impossible, you know. I mean, listen, I, I am amongst everybody would love to to hop in the Delorean on Back to the Future, you didn't not a Ferrara grab this guy by the throat and just strangle him and avoid that dog going through all this kind of shit. Of course, but it's not reality. So, we have to understand that if we want to make this dog happy in the present, which is where dogs live. They live in the present moment. They don't live in the past. They don't live in the future. They live in the present. They live moment to moment. So the moment that they are away from that situation is almost like, I see it as almost like a celebration. We should be celebrating the fact that they're not in that situation. So why the fuck are we keeping them there? Why are we making it so that they're staying in that situation? mentally we're in that position too we're like going backwards and 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 living that life making them live that life again you know they want to move forward you know what i'm saying so if you want a dog and and this is crucial if you want any dog needs work rules and then reward it's that simple everything in proportion most of the time when dogs go down the wrong path if not all the time is when they're lacking that structure that balance okay when they're lacking that balance and most dog owners that are loving, caring, sweet, kind people, they focus on the third component, the rewards, the love, the attention, the treats, the, the all that stuff. And they they avoid the work and the rules. Without that, you got nothing, okay? I don't give a shit what anybody says. Eat this cookie, do this bullshit. That's no, it's, it's not that complicated. All you have to do is understand that a dog needs work, mental and or physical. They need rules, direction, bounds, and limits. And then you could give them the rewards all you want, but part of the equation. Okay. And the same thing is when you're dealing with a dog that has physical disabilities, comes from a background of whatever, don't keep them in the past, you know, and you're going to see again with Jen's dog, this dog, you can't even tell that this dog has been through through shit. And if you notice any kind of dog that has been dealing with that, they don't, you can't even tell a dog that has three legs. I've seen dogs that have two legs. They don't know. They don't even recognize them. They don't even know for them. They're just happy. You know what I mean? So by us overloading them, by making up for what they've been through, we're keeping them from what they can become. So you'll see like with this puppy that Jen has, you'll notice how this dog is just, Bouncing off the walls with excitement, very energetic, very um, rambunctious, you know, very undisciplined, very dominant. You know, she's a, she's a little feisty, little, little thing, you know. So, if you don't establish direction, bounds, and limits because you feel bad for what she's been through, then this dog is going to bulldoze right through you and she's going to become a problem. Not to mention the fact that you've done so much work with quotes around it, which is the opposite. You're you're you're, you're avoiding giving her what she needs, and therefore, you're creating a monster that's going to get older, and then you're going to be like, you know what? I just can't deal with this dog. This dog's been traumatized so much that this is the end result. Bah, bah, fun, cool. That's not the reason. The reason is not the trauma. The reason is not the past. The reason is that you did not put in place the formula of work, rules, and then reward. You just felt bad. You felt guilty. You wanted to make up for all the shit that she had been through. Comes from good intentions. I'm not saying that's not the case, but you're not doing your dog or that dog a service. You're actually going against what you should be doing. So, you know, I'm going to get into this whole thing on another podcast, but um, I wanted to get this out in the open because it's very important to understand that dogs live moment to moment. We have to make them go past the moment of this abuse, this trauma, this whatever you want to call it. Make them go forward because that's what they're trying to do. And we're holding them back. You know, let them go, let them go, let them move forward. Celebrate the fact that they're not in that situation anymore. Celebrate the fact that they're now in a safe, happy environment. But if you want them to be actually happy, fulfilled and well behaved, then you need to understand that they need work rules and then reward, not just reward. Otherwise you end up with a dog that is just a destructive monster or destructive monster or a dog that you end up be- returning or putting down because you just can't handle it. And then you blame the past when it has nothing to do with it. They still need leadership and it's your job to provide that. Okay. And so that's, if you fail on that, that's on you. Okay. You have the option, you have the opportunities, you need to put that into place you have to understand you can't feel sorry for what they've been through the present is what matters where they are is what matters you'll see jen's puppy is not in an abusive situation not in a bad situation anymore she doesn't even realize it so this dog is trying to just overpower because she's got that you know exuberance to her and again everybody's gonna say well the reason why it's because of that no that's just her personality don't make excuses okay Excuses don't help dogs. All these dogs that get returned and put down is because we feel sorry for them. We overcompensate for their past and we shower them with love and attention and affection and all that stuff. And we miss out on establishing direction, bounds and limits and working and stimulating and, 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 and draining the, the brain and the excitement from a mental and or physical standpoint. It's that simple. The formula is simple. It's not this shit is not that complicated. So this science and all this bullshit. You know what? It's not that complicated. Okay. It's not that complicated. You don't need all this, all this, these quadrants and all this psycho bullshit. No, it's very simple. Work rules, then reward. It's not that complicated. We'll get to that another second, another time. If you guys have questions on that, let me know. And uh, we'll get to that and we'll we'll talk about it. What's going on, guys? We are joined here by Jen from Animal Rescue R Us. What's going on, Jen?
1: Hi. How's everything going? It's good. I'm happy to be here.
0: There you go. It says Barking for Balance. So remember, we're talking about anything that's on our minds. So rated rated R.
1: Okay. Right. <laughs> you always put so tell- the disclaimer out there.
0: Yeah, we have to put the disclaimer out right? Well, you know, by now everybody knows about my cursing style, so I'm not really too concerned.
1: Oh, I know. Yeah. I know about that cursing.
0: Yeah, I'm sure you do. So tell us a little bit about you at the rescue, a little Animal Rescue R Us. Tell us about that.
1: Uh, so I'm Jen. I'm from Animal Rescue R Us. I'm the Adoption and Foster Coordinator. Um, I've and what does been- that do? So um, as the Adoption and Foster foster coordinator, I help coordinate the incoming animals and place them into foster homes. um, So then they can be vetted and they can um, prepare for adoption. And then once that stage is complete, then I um, review applications, I contact references, I, you know, I scope out the families and then we set up what's called we uh, meet and greet.
0: Okay. So how long have you been involved in the rescue for? I've or in a, rescue, I should say.
1: I've been, well, I've always had pets as a kid. I had umpteen animals, okay. Um, but I really, so you're one
0: of the, you're one of those. I've had dogs my whole life. So I know it all kind of people,
1: dogs, cats, rabbits, pigs, the whole, oh,
0: mountain,
1: the whole thing. So you okay. we definitely were an animal family. Although looking back, I'm like, you know, there's a lot that happened when I was a kid that I probably wouldn't do today. So it's a well, whole like different what? experience for me. Like what? I mean, we had like rabbit hutches in the back of our, you know, yard. We had like pigs back there. Um, we had shed cats, you know, those. We had a Wait, lot you of like, had
0: pigs in your backyard.
1: We did. Wow. We did. did you
0: make like Sassica when you're done at the end of the year?
1: I don't like to talk about that. <laughs> oh my
0: god. You know, there's actually an old <laughs> Sicilian saying that my father used to say to me all the time um and if you you know back you know now back then kids were cool like you know with my age you know my age bracket i you know your age bracket but nowadays
1: uh, don't, wait, wait, wait don't put us in the same age bracket close all
0: right similar we're age now. bracket you're
1: not even close whatever even close. anyway
0: moving right along from i am that. in
1: my prime you're kind of like all right like, slow
0: down there killer slow down <laughs> with your prime anyway so he used to say this is the sicilian saying is which means that Do i even
1: want to ask
0: well it basically means that when we're talking they're talking about like like their kids that it was better if they had raised a pig as opposed to raising kids at least at the end of the year they would have ate some sausage so,
1: i have to roll my eyes
0: i'm just saying anyway
1: so, but yeah, so we had a little bit of everything, you know, um, and I've always had dogs growing up a lot of times, multiples at a time. And then in 2012, it's when I became part of Animal Rescue R Us. And, okay. you know, I kind of gradually worked my way into the rescue. So I gradually.
0: Started- All right. Tell us a little gradually. bit about what that means.
1: So I just started off volunteering, I was looking for something to do. Um, you know, some people know, some people don't. But my grandma passed away in 2012. And we were super, super close. And that really kind of like set me into like a downward spiral. And things like weren't going well, I couldn't like quite get myself together. And so you were a little depressed, I rather- mean? I was more anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety, actually, because there was like a lot of things that were tied to her passing that kind of just put me over the edge. Um, so I was really looking for something to focus on other than what was going on in my life. And how old were you at the time? Um, so this was in 2012. So eight years ago, nine years ago. So now, now you're making me do math. You want a calculator? (laughs) 25. (laughs) I was like 25. So, um, You know, I was young and I needed something to focus on, you know, in addition to work because work kept me busy during the day. And then after work, everything was kind of falling apart. So I started, I was looking on Facebook and I was just kind of like, you know, looking at rescues. Um, So you
0: were looking to get involved in the animal community?
1: I was, we had just adopted, um, my husband and I had just adopted a dog together. Her name was Miley. She was from Bergen County Animal Shelter. Um, And that kind of got the wheels, you know, rolling because I was never a kid that had only one dog or one pet. I always had, you know, the zoo. So once we got Miley, I was like, I need a second dog because we always had a second dog. And, um, you know, they're pack animals. So I felt like, you know, naturally I should have a second dog. So I was pushing for it. My husband didn't want it. So I was like, all right. Let me get involved, like, right? Like, if I can't bring another dog into the house, I can at least do something to help other animals. So that's what I did. So one day, Christina had posted from Animal Rescue R Us that she needed volunteers, it was right in Paramus. I was like, perfect, close to my house.
0: Christina is
1: the director of Animal Rescue R Us. Got it. So she had posted that she was I, looking- I kind of
0: know that I just want the people that are listening know, to know that
1: I know. So, uh So she had posted that she wanted some volunteers and I went down. It was right in Paramus, right at the PetSmart. And I just kind of like jumped right in. And I think, you know, working with animals kind of comes naturally to me. What were you doing with them? Um, So this was really just helping at adoption events. So, you know, like the dirty stuff, like cleaning crates, walking dogs, you know, wiping them down, getting them prepared for their meet and greet with the family. And at that time, I wasn't super involved with the meet and greets because I was brand, brand new in the rescue. But I was there to answer questions about the process and just like general information about the dogs. So, um, you know, I really liked like the easygoing atmosphere. You know, Christina is like very like calm cool and collected so that's really what I needed at that time um and you know like her passion was there and that was really inspiring for me and you know in some of your other podcasts you talk about you know having this passion and you know wanting to inspire and It was really in that moment that I was inspired to get involved and to continue to be involved. And it was a moment where I wasn't so distracted by everything else that was going wrong in my life. So it was like something that I could really focus positive energy into. And so that's what I did.
0: What was your favorite part about it?
1: I think meeting you know obviously the animals the animals are you know key I think anyone that's in the rescue world is going to tell you animals but you know it's not just animals it's also people right like mm-hmm. you're saving these dogs from these terrible terrible situations but another Sometimes part, not all the time. Correct but a lot of times yes and you're also educating people and I think that's the part that you know, is sometimes not talked about or not really like addressed. And it's a huge part of the rescue because if you're not educating, then nothing's changing and you're kind of like in this cycle. Now when Uh, you say
0: educating, what exactly do you mean by educating them on what?
1: Just about what goes on, you know, what goes on behind the scenes, you know, not everything. Behind the scenes of a
0: rescue or behind the scenes of a dog?
1: of Of a rescue and what, you know, the dog's history, where they came from, which is obviously not always bad. Um, But then also just teaching the younger generation, like kids, like what's expected, appropriate behavior around dogs. Um, So there's just a lot that you know I think gets overlooked because everyone sees the cute dog and they're worried about the meet and greet and getting the dog and stuff like that. And I think there's a huge part of education. And that's one of the things that I love about the rescue because we really spend a lot of time educating younger kids about the importance of rescue and just the importance of work in general. Um, And I think what's a great thing is that sets animal rescuer us aside from other or apart from other organizations is that we actually welcome children for volunteer opportunities, whereas other places you have to be 18 or older or 16 or older or accompanied with a parent. Um, And for us, you know, we can teach these kids and we can teach them what they need to do. So, um, that's been a big part of Animal Rescue RS. We've worked with the Girl Scouts, we've worked with the Boy Scouts, we've worked with special needs children, just giving them an opportunity to volunteer, which they haven't, you know, they wouldn't have if they went elsewhere. Um, so, I think in general, Animal Rescue RS is really special and it's something I cl- hold very close to my heart. Um, and I just think that the opportunities within the rescue are endless and it's so much more than just rescuing animals or saving animals like what so in our rescue we take a lot of families in we take a lot of special needs animals we take a lot of depression- when you say
0: families she doesn't mean human families
1: no i mean animal families yeah. <laughs> so the mom- knocking on her door
0: like yo let me in <laughs>
1: No, the mom dog, the dad dog, the eight puppies, you know, things like that. Um, We take a lot of special needs animals. I think that's really where my passion truly lies in the rescue. Um, I, you know, you know, we talk all the time and, you know, I've rescued countless special needs animals. And I also like those seniors, you know, those seniors that really deserve that second chance, that warm place on the couch. Um, That's where my heart's at in rescue.
0: Okay. So you would say that you kind of got involved in rescue I mean, we, we have a similar background, you know, I got involved with the dog behavior stuff or the dog training, um, which at the time it was dog training because of my miserable situation and, uh, in, in, in my careers, like on my career path. But, um, how do you feel like with this whole coronavirus situation, how do you feel that that's been helping or how, what's how do you feel that it's been affecting the, the rescue?
1: So in terms of slowing us down, it hasn't slowed us down at all. Um, It really just changed the way that we operate in terms of like procedural things. So for example, events are open to the public, but you can't just walk in and meet a dog. You need to be pre-scheduled. Everything is you know, you get an hour time slot and then a new, you know, group of dogs comes in. So not all the dogs are, you know, in one room at the same time. Like there's a lot of crowd control that goes on sanitizing materials. um, Obviously, you know, PPE and, you know, social distancing and all that kind of stuff. So it definitely changed the way that we did things, but I wouldn't say that it hurt the rescue. What about
0: from an adoption perspective? Did that kind of like limit your ability to want to adopt to certain people or to people in general, because you're worried about the fact that they're doing it just because now they have some time or extra time on their hands. And then at some point they're going to start returning those dogs or that that not affect you guys whatsoever.
1: So I think that's always kind of a concern in the back of your head, but I am brutal when it comes to screening potential applicants. And so just what does that
0: mean? You're brutal. Explain that.
1: I mean, (laughs) I guess if you know my personality, you know what that means. I
0: do, but I'm trying to like, you know, let's, let's, let's share the
1: wealth. So, I mean, I scrutinize, I scrutinize every single thing on an application. And even though you're not, when you get the application, you're not speaking to the family over the phone, you get a vibe, you get a vibe on what's on paper, you know, and then based on that vibe, you either cut it you know, and then move on, or you move forward with the process. And so, you know, I'm a big kind of fan about like, you know, it's all about the vibe. If you have a good vibe, you move forward. If you don't, you nix it.
0: So the concern Um, of these people returning dogs after, you know, everything gets back to normal was never something that you were concerned about. You just based it on their personality that this was not the kind of person that would do that.
1: Correct. And you weed out the applicants that you feel like are just doing it because, you know, they're home. They have nothing to do. You know, a lot of people applied for dogs that were unemployed you know, and it's fine to apply for a dog when you're unemployed, but financially you need to think about how you're going to afford to care for that animal. And, you know, a puppy in its first year of life, you're going to spend the most money, you know, and that's if the puppy's healthy, God forbid something happens or, you know, like something, even like the puppy gets sick or the puppy breaks his leg or, you know, a million and one things can happen with puppies. So like, there's a financial consideration there. Definitely. But
0: not just puppies, obviously you have to look at the longevity of the whole life, you know, elderly dogs, sicknesses, injuries. I mean, it's shit happens.
1: I mean, and that doesn't change. Like if pre-COVID, that was the same situation. You're considering all of those factors. Um, And then I guess what comes into play with COVID is that a lot of people have adopted dogs, but those dogs are not used to people being out of the house or people being, you know- uh, So
0: separation anxiety issues. Yeah,
1: so then you have the concern about special uh, separation anxiety. And I think separation anxiety is one of those- behaviors that are you know really it's a you know it's a cluster of behaviors that are really difficult to break i almost would rather have an aggressive dog than a dog with separation anxiety to be perfectly honest why um, and i'm sure you get a lot why of you say that <laughs> well i'm sure you know what i'm going to actually turn it to you because <laughs> a lot of dogs that you deal with have separation anxiety so what does that look like in a home
0: well, I mean, separation anxiety always is caused by the simple fact that it's always it's usually caused by two problems. The first one is when a dog doesn't really know uh, what to do when they're alone during the separation period. You know, uh, the second component is that when they're used to being attached to the hip of their human, and now all of a sudden there's a separation period, they're kind of lost because they're just they're so addicted to that. to that. Uh, human interaction, they really don't know what to, what to do going forward. You know, they're just lost. They become anxious about it. And a lot of times it's caused because like, it's basically like a setup. So people will set their dog up for failure, meaning for example, you know, when you're taking your dog out for a walk, for example, just to go out, the ritual of doing that is a very excited ritual. So the the dog owner will make their dog excited. And the whole process step by step is a constant escalation of excitement. So you grab your shoes the dogs, Oh, something's happening. And then the keys come out. Oh, something's happening. I know what this is all about. And then you go towards the leash and the excitement's raising. And now the leash comes out and the excitement's still going up. So by the time you go out the door, the dog has seen all these different steps and you've like egged them on throughout the whole process. They're following you around. They're, you know, they're approaching the refrigerator. They never go into a calm state. So they're constantly excited. They're, they're in, in consistent excitement. The excitement's constantly climbing. So then all of a sudden they know what this all means. And then you take them out the door and bam. And now the, it's a high level of excitement. But the problem on the other side of it is that if, you have a dog, I'm sorry. If you have, if you're a person that's just leaving to go to work or to go to the store, most of those steps are the same. You're putting your shoes on, you're grabbing your keys. So now the dog's like, oh, yeah, I know what this is all about. Here we go, here we go, here we go. And then you're talking to them, okay, baby, mommy's gonna go to the store. I'm gonna see you in a little while. You be good boy. Here's a con filled with chopped meat and, and, and broccoli rapa and salsiccia and all sorts of other good stuff in there. And Arancina, This all Sicilians and Italian food, but you know, but you know. This is, this is what they, so it's, everything is about excitement. And then all of a sudden they're waiting for the evolution of, okay, now we get to go. And then you slam the door in their face and they're like, what the hell, what happened? I thought we were going out. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? And then the anxiety kicks in because they're so built up and it's just a huge disappointment. You know? know So this isn't really like a dog issue. This is goes back to like everything that, that I always preach and practice about, which is establishing you know, direction, bounds, and limits. So if you're leaving your house, whether you, you know, whether it was during the coronavirus pandemic or not, you still have to establish directions, bounds, and limits for everything. Even if it's just going to the bathroom, you know, where the dog follows you along and you're in the bath and your dog is like right there, you're setting it up. Oh, but they, they love me so much. They want to be, no, it's because now you're creating an insecure mind. You're creating an excited mind and now you're gone. Now what? Yeah. You know that's
1: one thing I can say fortunately I don't have with my dogs. Obviously, my dogs they're you know they have a plethora of needs, not you not really true, true behavioral needs, but it's funny because in the mornings when I'm getting ready for work. My dogs, not only do I have a routine, my dogs have a routine. And so like when I'm getting ready for work in the morning, they're all in my bed hanging out. My white Chihuahua, he's under the covers. And do you know, every single morning- That's the guy
0: over your right shoulder, I assume, Yeah, he's
1: over here sleeping. Um, But every single morning he's under my covers and I have to say, okay, come on, Woodwood, time to go to your crate. So I take him out of like his nice comfy bed and I crate him. you know, before I go to work. And it's so funny that every single morning without fail, he's under the covers. The other ones are on top, like looking at me, I put the gate up, you know, so they not only do I have my routine, they have their routine too. Mm -hmm.
0: Exactly. So since you talked about before about your, your uh, soft spot for senior dogs and disabled dogs, and I want to hear a little bit about that stuff.
1: Uh, So I'll talk about my newest project. I like to call them projects because that's what they are. You know, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort, um, but it's so rewarding. So I recently um, took on, at the time she was eight weeks old when she came to us. Now she's about 10 weeks old. um, Puppy, she's a Boston Terrier pit mix. She came to us from Alabama. um, And unfortunately, she was severely, severely abused. Um, Actually, she was, where she was found was- Abused by uh, a human? be used by a meth addict actually.
0: Beautiful. Great.
1: Yes. Yes. So she has a lot of uh, neurological issues, brain damage. Um, she is blind in one eye. She has difficulty supporting herself. Um, and so we've been doing a lot of rehab with that. Um, she has been going to the doggy chiropractor. Um, you know, every week we drive to Brooklyn and we go to the doggy chiropractor um and we've been doing a lot of rehab at home so um before when i first got her i used to have to hold wait a
0: minute we have to talk about this what's, what's yeah what's this doggy th- chiropractor situation about is this literally. like a literally a doggy chiropractor yes okay yes. tell us about that what's his um, name?
1: uh his name is dr doug Willen, um and he's in brooklyn we've been working with him for a couple of weeks he actually also has a show on youtube um and we've been going to him. He's been volunteering his time to assist us um, because he's volunteering
0: really his time. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. He's really passionate about special needs animals just as we are. Um, and he really wants to see if his work can make a difference in our quality of life. And, you know, since we've been going to the doggy chiropractor, I have seen like little glimmers of hope, you know, what does he
0: do At- with her with them?
1: Um, so he, you know, feels their spine, the alignment um, in her case, She was really brutalized on her left side. So there's a lot of damage. So like when you hold her up, one of her legs pops up. And so he works a lot on that to kind of bring it down. Um, She had a broken jaw. So he does some work on like the TMJ and all of that. Um, And, you know, all of those areas really affect her, you know, quality of life. And, you know, it interferes with like all life functions. So like eating, drinking, walking, playing, all of that. So, you know, with his assistance and, you know, my own rehab that I've been doing, um, she's made gains and she's made progress. And, you know, when you look at her in terms of her personality, she has like such like a spark to her and like a spunk, like she's a little feisty too, um, so it's really nice. And, but she's probably, I would say out of all the dogs that I've rehabbed, she's the toughest case. And I think she's like one of the most saddest cases as well, because you how have, her,
0: you have her at your home, correct?
1: I do. I actually have her in a pack and play in my living room. Well,
0: we're going to be meeting her so- shortly. Yeah. So
1: So quick story about that. You know, my husband's name is Joe and I always, you know, I bring him along on all my adventures, you know, and a lot of times I bring dogs home and things like that. And the one day he came home, And I had this pack and play, like the kids pack and play packed, you know, set up in my living room. And he's like, Jen, why is there a pack and play in the living room when we don't have any kids? And I was like, oh, it's for my baby puppy. Don't worry. So So you thought
0: something else was going on, huh?
1: (laughs) I don't know what he thought was going
0: on. (laughs) Oh, you know exactly what he thought was going on.
1: So, but we do have have
0: to start a college fund.
1: So we have a pack and play set up in the living room for my baby puppy, you know, which. Now, let know. me
0: ask you a question. Is this a yeah. puppy that you're rehabbing to adopt or is this a puppy that you're rehabbing and it's already been adopted, if you know what I'm saying? Wink, wink.
1: So we haven't gotten that far yet.
0: Got it. Okay.
1: We'll just keep it at that.
0: Understood. Okay. It's moving oh, along. Yeah.
1: My re you know what my rehab cases they're like the toughest to let go some of them I can let go no problem others that are you know really take a lot of time and energy and like get attached, you get attached like there's, you know, a regular puppy cream of the crop what I call those are easy for me to let go you know because you let them go to make room for another one. How did you get
0: involved with this like the special needs dogs like how did that come about.
1: So I pretty much have a background in special needs. Um, I'm a special needs teacher. Um, I'm a behavior specialist in a school district. Um, humans though, right? Humans. Yes, right. humans. So, but it, it, you know, it makes us kind of alike in some ways mm-hmm. um, because um, my day-to-day job is dealing with special needs children that have a lot of behavioral difficulties. And right. for you, you're dealing with dogs that have behavioral difficulties or and, you know, owners. And dog
0: owners that have some behavioral issues too, but we'll,
1: exactly, we'll leave that Exactly. Along. So, you know, I, I was always passionate about special education. I knew going to college, like right out of high school, some people don't have a plan. I had a plan. I knew I was going to school for special ed.
0: Why? What was that your plan?
1: Um, So I have a cousin that's on the autism spectrum, and um, he used to come around a lot more when he was younger, um, and we just had a connection. Like, he was nonverbal. He was severely, severely autistic, but You know, I talk about this vibe, right? You have this vibe. And so I think there's a connection there too. So, for whatever reason, we had a great connection. And that really inspired me to get into special education and want to make it. So, it's because
0: of your cousin you got involved in it.
1: Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. And then I've worked with a lot of families since then, you know, and those kind of kids kind of almost become your kids. You know, Mm -hmm. you put your same like with the dogs, you put your blood, sweat, and tears into it. Um, And so, you know, in some cases, I've even been able to blend the two. Um, I've created opportunities where some of the kids that I work with can volunteer with the animal rescue. Um, we actually in have what capacity same capacity as any other volunteer. So oh,
0: just doing um, anything. Okay.
1: Yep. So, you know, in those cases, um, we try to pick jobs that we know they'll be successful at. So for example, some kids may be greeters, you know, just greeting the um, potential adopters that come into the store. And
0: you're talking about like young kids, like what age, right age range are we talking about?
1: Um, I think our youngest so far that we've had was probably 12. Wow. Wow. So pretty young, um, and we've had kids with like all different types of capabilities. So you know, some kids have helped wash dogs. Some kids are greeters. Some kids are there for setup and cleanup. Um, and we've actually hosted some events. Um, the The events we call them. Um, we actually have like a specific name when we do these events, and we call them um, exceptional dogs for extraordinary. People.
0: Are you a little distracted because you got little Max over there jumping well, up and down yeah, like a little bunny Max rabbit?
1: Is yeah he's throwing me off a little bit (laughs) he's so cute you know how it is you you put a puppy in front of your face and like forget it
0: listen you ain't gotta tell me
1: so yeah so you know it's really nice though we've been able to blend the two and that's something also that kind of sets animal rescue r us apart from other organizations because um those opportunities aren't available for special needs children
0: yeah is that still going on now is that something you guys still working on
1: So because of COVID, that is something that we had to kind of like put on the back burner, Um, but it is something that I would like to get back to, you know, maybe not in the same capacity, but it's definitely something that hasn't left our heart.
0: Beautiful. Okay. So are we going to meet your newest uh, special needs arrival there?
1: You can.
0: All right. Let's welcome another special guest. This is a little more specialer. Special is the new word here. So tell us about this special guest here, the little file. You weren't kidding when you said she was feisty. feisty. I
1: told you she's feisty. Jesus. So this is her being feisty.
0: Man. Imagine if she wasn't having all these issues.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what's her story? Tell us about her.
1: Um. So she is about 10 weeks old. She came into the rescue three weeks ago. She is a Boston pit mix. Um, I know you've
0: talked about it a little bit, but now that we're seeing her, it makes a little bit more sense. Look at that. Are you letting her chew on your fingers?
1: Well, I don't know what else to do because usually I would put her down and not reinforce this, but I mean, for the show, I mean, I don't know what else I should do.
0: All right. All right. Well, you know, she's being cute. So
1: this is what not to do. This is what not to do. Exactly. What not to do with your new puppy. We
0: can't even advertise her as she's, you know, available or she's going to be available for adoption at this point. So yes, right now she's, she's on lockdown. Let's put it. She's in the vault. Yes. Either way.
1: Actually, though, like I do follow the steps, like just like you, you know, talk about the pen and crate system and all Mm -hmm. that. Even though she's special needs, I still follow that same system. So she has the pen in the living room. She has her bed. She has her toys. That's where I feed her, you know, the whole thing. And then she comes out for moments like this. But if you see... Just being out of that playpen
0: gets her excited. He spiked up. Well, I mean, you're actually doing the right thing because this is where most people fall short when they get a dog that's been this abused and has these kind of problems. They feel bad and they just let them take over. And obviously this is not a dog as much as she has, you know, physical issues. And she's got a background from an abusive standpoint, legitimately abusive standpoint. She doesn't even realize this. Damn. Try that again she doesn't even realize that that that's, that's the case anymore. She's moved past it and now she's trying to get better. So a lot of people would do the opposite of what you're doing is they just start spoiling them and letting them get away with murder because they're trying to overcompensate for the past. They clearly look, this is not a dog that's living in the past.
1: And you talk about this a lot, right? Dogs live moment to moment. Right. So like whatever happened to her, that's besides, you know, that's besides the point. And now this is where we are now. So now we need to help her.
0: I mean, clearly this kind of dog could definitely go down the wrong path based on her high level of energy and excitement. And the fact that she's so like rambunctious and a little bit on the dominant side there, too. You know, this is definitely a dog that could go down the wrong path going into a household that doesn't doesn't get that. That is just about just love and food and and rewards and affection and all that kind of crap
1: yeah so she's definitely you know a little feisty and you know we were talking about the other day because i've actually never seen a dog quite like her that like they come out of the pen and they're like me just taking her out of the pen spikes her up so a lot of times what happens is i have to i go to take her out of the pen and we get like halfway up the pen and i have to put her back down Because I'm trying to kind of like keep that level of excitement low. Um, And so a lot of people that might be frustrating towards because, you know, you have this cute, you know, 10 week old puppy, regardless of special needs or not, you have this new puppy and all you want to do is play and hold and touch that puppy. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they're only cute, like, you know, small and cuddly like that for so long. So like, you don't want them in the pen because. You want to like eat up that time with them, but that at the same time, then you're reinforcing those bad habits and you're letting them stabilize up here.
0: Amen. (laughs) So what would you recommend to people that get dogs, whether like, like in this case, they have some legitimate background, legitimate baggage, baggage, like, what would you tell a new dog owner? um, Not a necessarily new dog owner, but somebody who's adopting a new dog or a puppy. What would you, what would you tell them to do?
1: I mean, personally, the background to me is really nor here nor there, you know, like the background that happens, but now they're with you. So it's like a clean slate, a new beginning, right? So now it's up to you to establish those, that structure boundaries and limits for them. So, you know, that's not dependent on their past that has nothing to do with where they came from. So I think the first thing people need to do is they need to get the necessary supplies. So if you're bringing home a new puppy you need the pen, you need the crate system, you need, you know, like a towel, some toys, you know, things like that, you need the slip lead. So I think that's super, super important. And a lot of people they're like, Oh, you know, I'll just gate them in the kitchen, or, you know, oh, I'm just gonna use the why,
0: why is the kitchen not good, though?
1: Well, the kitchen, if you think about that's like the center, you know, where a lot of stuff happens and the smells and the, you know, like, you're cooking something, you can taste it, your mouth is watering. And I think that's torture for an animal you know plus i think for sa- my personal opinion like the sanitary like reasons of it like i wouldn't want an animal kept in my kitchen just like Agreed. i wouldn't let cats like go on my countertops kind of thing you know okay. i mean, it's not sanitary so i gotta get my little puppy she's running away <laughs>
0: go go get her you don't want her to run off like this is a this is a disabled dog that has so many problems and look at her she just she's just living life
1: well i had to put her down because she was biting me
0: but that that does you could put her back in the pen if you want so this way you could you what? know i know
1: Do you hear her growling at me?
0: Yeah, this I'm telling you, this is this is a good example of a dog that has, you know, 10 weeks has a baggage, you know, abusive situation, physical damage and.
1: And she's she's still fresh.
0: Mm -hmm. This is where people always make the mistake and they feel sorry. They feel bad for a dog. Oh, but the poor baby, but it's been so bad. Look at she's suffering. No, she's not. She's trying to move past all that stuff. It's us that keep them in that past. And then we wonder why they're continuing to misbehave. They're continuing to get worse and they're continuing to, to, to show, you know, disrespect or bad behavior or whatever you want to call it. It's because we held them back.
1: She's trying to dominate me right now.
0: That's exactly right. Look at that. 10 week old, physical issues, nothing.
1: 10 weeks. Problem child.
0: Yep. Physical issues take notes people it's all about one simple factor
1: yep so directions, boundaries and limits personally i don't treat her any different than any other you know dog that comes through like and
0: why her, is that
1: her structure is the same you know
0: why is that you should feel bad for her i mean she's got all this baggage you should you should you should spoil her
1: because i want a well-behaved dog and if you spoil her from like the, the it's hard to take that back you yeah know? but the
0: poor baby i mean i don't understand you mean you're the poor baby
1: Listen, when she's biting your hand, that's when you want structure boundaries. Yeah,
0: but with- the poor baby, she's biting your hand because you know she's teething and she's trying to get your attention and your love. She wants to, you, you want she wants you to love her.
1: Well, first of all, teeth should never be on skin. So that's like a whole separate <laughs> topic. So that you know, we can uh, ensure we don't have to. But I feel stupid you know. just
0: saying those things. Just I want you to I want <laughs> to point that out.
1: I know that was hard for you.
0: Yeah, it really was.
1: So anyway, but She's like, you know, behaviorally, she needs some work, you know, not only does she have like these physical issues that need to be addressed, but behaviorally, you know, she she's tough. She's a tough dog.
0: But this is actually the perfect case of, of people that are not um, there that, that are feeling that would feel bad for this kind of dog and just shower her with love, attention, affection and food and toys and treats and all that shit. And this would just magnify this would be a dog that within. I don't even think they would last three months and they would be back.
1: She's tough. Like, let me tell you, she really is like- And like, we're
0: not even talking about the disability issues. We're no, talking I'm about talking just about the her, mental I'm issues.
1: talking about her like behavior. Mm-hmm. Like her behavior is atrocious.
0: But it's not behavior. It's, this is just her personality. Yeah. So if you take away the, the abuse and you take away the disabilities, this is what you got.
1: I don't even think about that with her.
0: Yes, but that's my point. That's why I think it was great the way it kind of, it kind of- um the way, the way, the way it went was because that's exactly the point that we were trying to make is that you don't care about that because you shouldn't, she's not in that position anymore. You know what I mean? Like when, when, when I tell people, I don't care about where they came from. It's not that I'm, I'm, I'm heartless or I'm disrespectful about it. It's that my job is to help the situation from now going forward. I can't go back in time and fix that. And most of the time, if not all of the time, when we are stuck in the past and we keep our dogs stuck in the past, that's why they have these problems because we're keeping them there. They're trying to move forward and we're keeping them back, Mm -hmm. you know, because you're so impacted by this, 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 this negativity. How can you be a leader when you're just weaker than they are?
1: Yeah, you can't like, and she would steamroll you. Like if you, if, like she was allowed she would like steamroll you
0: exactly so what would you recommend to people who are looking to uh you know bring a new dog home that has like you know this kind of baggage from a from a from an abusive standpoint or from a disability issues you know obviously that comes with medical issues financial um responsibilities commitments of care so what would be your 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 top recommendation for somebody who's looking to bring in a dog who has these kind of issues
1: you know, I think a lot of people kind of dwell on the history, right? Like what happened to them prior to them coming to you. And for me, I really don't dwell on that because personally, I don't care because the second they start with me, that's their new beginning. And so what didn't happen in the past is going to start happening now. And, you know, she's a prime example. She you know, she's special needs. Yes, I could spoil her. Would I love to spoil her? Absolutely. However, I need to have a little self-control myself because if I spoil or if I nurture that, that is going to be a huge behavior problem. And it's going to go from, you know, little puppy nibbles, which actually she breaks skin, just so you know, um, to a dog that is now biting people and now has like a bite history. So I think that, Setting them but up you know for- that,
0: that yeah. a lot of people interpret the, the biting people like playfully. They don't interpret it in a big deal. However, in reality, biting is biting regardless of, you know, what the rationale behind it is. Because a lot of dogs that even bite, they're on the nervous side. They're excited. You know, that, that, that doesn't mean they're aggressive.
1: Biting is biting no matter what. Mm-hmm. Like any time... Teeth are on skin. It's a big no-no. And that should never, ever be reinforced. And a lot of times that stems, I mean, we talk about it all the time. That stems from excitement. My white chihuahua, when I get home from work and he sees me right away, he goes to like, give me like a little nibble, not in the way that she does, but like you could see, he's like excited to see me and he puts his mouth on me. And the way that I respond to that is I leave him be. I don't touch him until Mm -hmm. he's calm and his paws are on the floor. Mm -hmm. So his behavior he'll put his mouth on me in excitement, he will never clamp down and it's hasn't per it hasn't progressed from that level. Mm-hmm. And with her, she really is just learning the boundaries and limits, you know, that I've put in place. So for her, I have to be super, super consistent. Um, once, and what I go- would you
0: tell people to do if they were interested in getting a dog that had these kind of this kind of disability these kind of like, you know, p- you know, past history, whatever the case may be?
1: So I think there's different levels of disabilities. For example, my chihuahua, he has um, vision issues and he's on just drops every single day. So to me, that's very minute. That's not a big deal. I just make sure that, you know, he has his drops, his eyes are lubricated. But and- this isn't
0: what, what you would do. I'm tell- I'm talking about like, what would you tell a new adopter? Like, what would be the recommendations for a new adopter that's looking into this kind of dog? What would you tell them? Or what would you be looking for if this would be a good fit?
1: Well, I think, you know, to adopt a special needs animal, I don't think it's for everyone. So I think that people need to kind of know their limitations. So where I was going with the chihuahua was that my chihuahua, not really a big deal, right? You put eye drops in and he's good to go for the day and you put him again at night and he's good to go. Not a lot of attention needs to go into that disability. For my puppy, not only does she have eye drops because she's blind, her jaw was broken. What's her name, so- by the way? So we're between names. Oh, I okay. call her. <laughs> so it was Oopsie Daisy. You know, that's what she came with. Um, Christina loves Oopsie Daisy. I l- thought she looked like a little nugget. So I was calling her Nugget initially. And lately, I've just been calling her Baby Puppy.
0: Okay.
1: So well, guys... <laughs>
0: <laughs> vote on those three options
1: yeah so I mean you know I have unique names for my pets anyway so okay. you know
0: so I didn't mean I didn't mean to get off track but you were saying my puppy so I was wondering if there was a name so I'm sorry so what you were saying about the
1: oh so I was just saying that you know like there's varying various levels of like disabilities and needs for all animals so you know my chihuahua that has special needs is not really what I would consider something that requires a lot of energy or time or maintenance, right? You make sure he has his drops and he's good to go. Whereas a puppy like this, she has a plethora of issues, you know, physical, mental, you know, and then she has these behavioral issues on top of it. So-
0: Like what behavioral issues?
1: So right now she's learning that there is- structures, boundaries and limits. And so, you know, she's very, very mouthy. um, And, you know, you have to be careful with that. She's mouthy, and she has a dominant personality. So those two things together, you know, really need to be addressed to put her in the best situation moving forward. If it's not addressed, then I'm going to have a dog that's out of control. Right?
0: So have you ever encountered a situation where you had returned, like you had a dog returned to you, that was either a puppy or an, other, the, an older dog that you knew had no pre- behavioral problems because they were in a household, in a foster, in your household, where, with structure, with direction, boundaries, and limits. And then they get adopted out, and now all of a sudden they get returned a year later, six months later, whatever, because now all of a sudden they're being aggressive, they're being just, you know, misbehaved, they're being whatever. How, what do you attribute that to?
1: Of course, because when dogs come into this house, it's very, very structured, especially with my fosters, my fosters, I run like a very, very tight ship with my fosters, my personal pets, they've been here, they're established, you know, you can What kind about of-
0: your other fosters, like human fosters? Do they run tight ships too?
1: You know, it really depends on the foster. It depends on their personality. Just the same way it depends on the adopters. I have a foster that lets her dogs run rampant, you know, and they, you know, eat her walls, they pee all over the house, you know, things like that. You know, it doesn't bother her, but then it also doesn't put the dog in the best position going into a new home because then the new home has to kind of undo those bad habits. Um, so, you know, not everyone is as strict, I would say, you know, just like people not everyone kind of follows the same systems. Um, but we do try to preach what works and you know, what we're going to, what's going to make the dog successful.
0: Cool. All right. Well, listen, Jen, you gave us a lot of info. If you guys have any questions, if you're looking to adopt a pet, a dog, animal rescue R us, Jen, thank you for joining barking for balance.
1: You're welcome. Catch you
0: next time. Well, that was a pretty interesting uh, little little discussion with Jen. What did you guys think? Animal Rescue R.S., guys. They do great work. Her and Christina, they do a great work when it comes to dogs. Um, you know, they uh, I, they do great work, you know, rescues. God bless them. You know, I don't know how a lot of these rescues do it. Uh, I, I don't know if I could do it, to be honest with you, of what they have to deal with and what they have to see on a daily basis, as you saw know that little that poor little thing um see i'm doing it too i'm getting a little you know get a little emotional feel sorry but um you know how could you not i mean honestly you got to be heartless to not feel angry or, or sad or you know you you gotta you know but again when i when i when i work with my clients you know and i enter a situation like this the first thing as you saw from jen as well is you can't feel sorry for them. You know, you can't feel sorry for what they've been through because they're not in that situation anymore. So why continue to harp on the past? Why continue to deal with it? I mean, is it upsetting? Of course it is. Of course, it breaks my heart, pisses me off. I want to just, but you know what? It's not the case, this was one of the lucky ones, let's let's face it, this one was a lucky one. And now that we have her saved, we got her at a young age, I mean, this is just such a, just is a, a beautiful story. You know, hopefully she could overcome these disabilities, but guess what? She ain't mentally disabled, you know what I mean? And that's really what a lot of people have to understand when it comes to uh, abusive case, again, legitimately abusive cases that, or, or physically disabled cases, is that they're not mentally disabled, you know what I mean? their brain is perfect, their brain functions normally. So if you saw saw her, she's just acting like normal. She doesn't care about the abuse, about the physical problems. She doesn't care. She does whatever she wants because she's happy in the present, you know, the past doesn't exist. Our job and Jen is doing a great job with that is she's helping her move past that, you know, she's helping her, you know, get, come out of that past and move into the future into, the, or I'm sorry, into the present and lead her into the future. And that's kind of like what we need to do as leaders is do exactly that's so why it's lead her into the future, starting from the present, you know, so um it's, it's, it, to me it's, it's a happy ending. it's a great story like I pray that she she recovers from all these physical ailments and all this kind of stuff but uh, at the end of the day like I said mentally that dog is in great shape so you know she's gonna live, live a happy life and she's gonna be she's gonna be great so um, you know it's a happy ending. She came out of that she was safe it's beautiful and so um, again, it's important to understand that the reason why, we can't feel sorry for them and try to make up for what they've been through is because they're not in that world anymore. We should celebrate these cases. You know, people don't celebrate these cases at all. They they make them worse, you know, and then you create a monster and then that dog ends up paying the price. I mean, for crying out loud, you, you think you're a superhero because you saved this from a bad situation and then you just put them in another bad situation. Yeah, they're physically not harming them, but you're not providing what they need, you know. As responsible dog owners, we need to be well-trained, not dogs that are well-trained. It's a well-trained human that knows how to make their dog happy, fulfilled, and well-behaved. That's the goal. That's what we need to do. That's my job. And that's what I hope that people start getting on board with that, that it's not about the dogs. You know, The more humans we have that understand dog psychology, understand dog language, understand dog needs, dog instincts – the happier the dog population will be, you know, the more we, we try to put in our own stuff, our own feelings, our own needs, the worse it's going to be. So it is what it is. And I mean, I'm sure there's not going to be, everybody's going to be disagreeing with that. Well, you know, but whatever. I want to thank Jen again for joining us from animal rescue R us and sharing her stories and sharing, uh, you know, her, her life in, in the rescue world. And uh, you see my little uh, board back here. So make sure that if you want your dogs featured and if you guys are involved in rescues or no rescues or shelters or whatever, and you want your pet up there, they're available for adoption. Let us know. Direct message me, direct message us and let me know. Let us know. And we'll showcase that, uh, that, that pet, cat, bird, dog, lizard, whatever. We'll put them up there and uh, we'll showcase them for you. All right. So let me know about that. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Barking for Balance. Remember, dogs live in the moment. We should try to do the same. Let's live in the moment because the present, the present moment is what exists. Past and future do not. We learn from the past. We plan for the future, but we do both in the present moment. Live like a dog. Make dogs like you. I hate, I'm going to end it on this note. I hate when people try to make dogs like humans. We should try to be more like dogs. They got to figure it out. We don't know shit. No, we think we're smart. No, we're stupid compared to dogs. They know how to live. They know what life is about. Let's be like more like them. Let's stop trying to be, let's let's stop trying to make dogs like humans and let's try to be more like dogs. I'm going to end it on that note. Train people, not dogs. Hope you guys enjoyed this episode of Barking for Balance. Guys, any questions? Let me know. Pat the Pac-Man. Catch you guys next time.